Welcome to Clued in Mystery. I'm Sarah. And I'm Brooke. And we both love mystery. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Sarah. Are you ready to talk about some of Agatha Christie's lesser known sleuths today? Absolutely. So as you um, referred to, we are going to talk today a little bit about um, Parker Pine. So our listeners will remember from the first season, we have talked about Agatha Christie and her life and her incredible contribution to the mystery space, but we really haven't spent any time talking about any of her stories or her sleuths. And so we thought we would start to address that. Um, And today we're going to talk about Parker Pine. So J. Parker Pine appears in 14 short stories, all of which were published in the 1930s. Twelve were released in late 1934 in a collection titled Parker Pine Investigates, uh, that was the UK version, and Parker Pine Detective is the US version. These collections were published after the stories first appeared in magazines or newspapers in 1932 and 1933. The remaining two short stories were published in the collection The Regatta Mystery and Other Stories in 1939. Somewhat confusingly, Pine replaces Poirot as the sleuth in the story titled The Regatta Mystery, with the original Poirot version appearing in 1935. The names of several stories also changed between the magazine and anthology versions or between publication in the U.S. or the U.K. Uh, So I think I will try to put together a table to include in the show notes and on our website to list the alternate names and the original publication dates. Now, given when they were published, I'm sure you're not surprised when I say that the character descriptions and characterizations are often racist, sexist, and include negative descriptions of weight and appearance. So Parker Pine, um, and there's a bit of confusion about whether his first initial is J or C, but I'll just mostly refer to him as Parker Pine, um, spent 35 years working as a government statistician before opening his practice to cure unhappiness and often uh, includes uh, statistic or reference to st- statistics related to the story. While he is billed as a detective or an investigator, Pine insists several times that he is not a detective. Instead, he is interested in matters of the heart. This is especially true of his stories that are set in London, but uh, in several of his other stories that are set abroad, he often performs what we would consider more traditional detective work, uncovering a theft or solving a murder. Though Pine and Poirot never meet, they do travel to several of the same destinations and interact with the same people. For example, Pine has a story titled A Death on the Nile, which is completely different from Poirot's novel uh, Death on the Nile. Miss Lemon and Ariadne Oliver, two characters that Poirot readers may be familiar with, appear in Parker Pine stories as his employees, and I think that those were actually published before the Poirot stories. Pine also has other recurring characters to help him. Claude Luttrell, who is described as a handsome lounge lizard, and Madeleine de Serra, who is described as a vamp. Pine uses both in disguise to help those seeking his services come to some realization about love or happiness. Though I have to say he doesn't always offer the best advice. In one instance, he tells a client to be less kind to his wife so that she will love him more because women want to be lied to. And he often engages in some sort of deception and um, the occasional kidnapping. He attracts clients through a personal ad, 
uh, that reads, are you happy? If not, consult Mr. Parker Pine, 17 Richmond Street. And the ad works, bringing him clients in the London stories and is often referenced in the stories when Parker Pine is abroad. He refers to his theory that unhappiness has five sources, each of which can be solved, but there, I didn't notice any uh, explanation of what those uh, sources are. Um, but I would, I think if I reread the stories really carefully, uh, each time he references that, I think maybe the story is an example of a different source of unhappiness. So Sarah, you mentioned that um, there was a story where Parker Pine replaced Poirot. And I was looking and realized that both Poirot and Parker Pine are have their own death on the Nile. So that was super interesting to me too. Yeah. So Parker Pine replaces Poirot in the Regatta Mystery. So I read both. I read the original Poirot version and I read the Parker Pine version. And they are very, very similar. Um, and so I don't know what the rationale for that switch was. Um, I do think it's interesting that she could just make that switch. And I think that's the story where Parker Pine or Poirot really only appears in the last bit of the story. Um, and so I guess that's why it was really easy to make that switch because it wasn't really integral to the story. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I it, it it's really interesting. I I don't know of any other um example where where that happens. Um and then for Death on the Nile, yeah, so they they both have a story titled Death on the Nile. Um but they're they're very different um in terms of the solution and the and and the story and you know the Poirot one is a novel and the Parker Pine is a is a short story. Um but they both of those characters travel to a lot of the same destinations. So yeah, I don't know why given given all of the different variations in the names of the Parker Pine stories, um, that you know, one story published in the UK had a different title when it was published in the US or and that happened multiple times. The Parker Pine's Death on the Nile story was published before the Poirot novel. And maybe she just thought it was such a great title that she had to use it again. Nice, nice. And as you say, they traveled to a lot of the same places. And these were the places that she and Max Malowin were traveling at this time in their life. So uh, they're all crossing paths. I think that's lovely. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great point that, you know, their travels kind of paralleled some of the experiences that that she was having. So Brooke, have you read any of the Parker Pine stories? I hadn't until this week. I read um, the case of the middle-aged wife to uh, to you know to get a taste of Parker Pine this week, but it was not a sleuth that I was familiar with of Christie's at all, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was so different than any of the, her other work that I'd read. Yeah, and and I would say, I, I mean, you're right. He, his stories are are completely different from. Um, a lot of what we typically associate with with Agatha Christie, uh, and 
his stories are also different depending on where they take place. So the ones that are in London really are, like I mentioned, about um, you know helping someone who's either dissatisfied in their in their life or um, uh, you know ha- having some some romantic relationship troubles. Uh, whereas the ones where he's abroad, there are they would be more traditional uh, kind of mysteries. You know, there's a, a several jewelry thefts, a couple of murders. Um, yeah, so he's, he's a really interesting, uh, a really interesting character. Yes. After I read, um, the case of the middle-aged wife, it it made me wonder if these were all non-violent mysteries because there's, there's not even a crime in that one. It's the situation where, um, you know, she's unhappy in her marriage and he helps her solve this problem. Um, through some clandestine means, I will say. So there is the, kind of this espionage feel to the story, but definitely not a crime or a, a murder to solve. So it made me wonder. So I did some poking around and realized, no, he does solve some of the more traditional mysteries as well. But um, this was such a fun way to have a quote unquote mystery um that was more in a relationship setting. And I found it really interesting because in some of Christie's um, more well-known sleuths, Marple, Poirot, you don't get much interpersonal relationships of the sleuths at all. So that was, that was really cool. Love and relationships as a theme might reflect Christie's personal life. So, you know, Pine first appears shortly after she married Max Mellowin. Um, and you know, listeners will remember that, uh, that relationship, that was her second marriage and it was much happier than her first one and her romance novels that she released under the pen name, Mary Westmacott, the first of those were, were also released in the 1930s at the same time, you know, death on the Nile, murder on the Orient Express, and then there were none. Those came out, um, in the latter half of the decade. So she may have just been exploring different types of writing as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a great um, counterpoint character to Poirot, because we've got the cerebral, you know, very black and white, non-emotional. And then um, Parker Pine, he says it's, you know, he solves things with his heart. It's matters of the heart. So um, maybe as an author, a really nice, fresh thing to do when she spent so much time in the head of Poirot. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, and I I saw some suggestion that she may have modeled Parker Pine after um, uh, Sherlock Holmes's brother Mycroft, mm. um, because you know Mycroft was also a government worker, um, and you know he says he worked in in government statistics, but. Um, you know, there's some suggestion that perhaps he was uh, in, you know, intelligence services, which I think is the the um, uh, the field that that Mycroft works in, um, and and so you know perhaps he was created as uh, an homage to uh, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, whom she was um, you know friends with and 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 a fan of. Yeah. So Poirot is like her Sherlock and um, Parker Pine is like her Mycroft in a way. Um, I, I don't want to say that in too large of a context, but, you know, just uh, figuratively speaking. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do a lot of the legwork. He had accomplices or, or associates who he would send out to, you know, 
take on these personas and create these situations that his clients would find the satisfaction that they were, that they were looking for. Um, and so I kind of, you know, imagine him just sitting behind a desk, uh, coming up with these schemes to, um, uh, quite frankly, manipulate people, Mm -hmm. um, into, uh, you know, finding some, some truth or, or some happiness. Yeah. He's like Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) The, the first six of the stories I think are the ones that are set in London. And then it's almost like he's kind of tired of that work and decides to go on holiday. And the ones when he is abroad, he kind of expresses some frustration when people recognize him as Parker Pine. So he clearly has, um, you know, developed a bit of a reputation for, um, for the work that he does. Um, but you know, he wants to be on holiday and, and in one case he sees a woman who he can tell that there's something troubling her and he absolutely does not want to get involved. And so he goes and changes his name in the hotel register, um, from he had signed in as C. Parker Pine, but he changes it to Christopher Pine in an attempt to avoid having to get involved in this woman's um, troubles, um, which I think is really funny. And ultimately, obviously, he does get involved, but um, he just wants to be on holiday. (laughs) I love that. I think that it also reflects, because we know that Agatha Christie was very... um, introverted and she didn't like the media. She didn't want to be recognized when she was out. She didn't do a lot of public appearances. So um, I think she could probably write that in for Parker Pine really well. Yeah. Yeah. So in other stories, his first initial appears as J. Um, And I, there was one place where it referred to him, not, not in one of the, um, original stories, but like in some article that I read suggested that his name was James, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I don't, I don't know if we actually see that his name is James or if it's, we see on his luggage that he's J Parker Pine. Um, and I think there's another reference to him being J Parker Pine. Um, so I don't know why he would have signed in at that hotel as C Parker Pine, maybe a half-hearted attempt at, at remaining anonymous. I really enjoy that she has these um, crossover characters in this series that appear in, did you say that they also appear in Marple and Poirot stories? Um, so Ariadne Oliver and Miss Lemon are in Poirot stories. I don't know if they're in Marple as well, but uh, Ariadne Oliver is definitely in um in a few Poirot stories. I don't know how many. Um, and Miss Lemon is... Maybe she's his secretary. Um, so, and I think her appearance in Christie's work is first in um, Parker Pine. So, um, yeah, Parker Pine is the is that's where those characters are introduced. But yeah, I think I think it's really neat, um, and it suggests that she kind of had this vision for this Christie verse, um, even though you know I don't. 
I don't think Poirot and, and Parker Pine ever meet. Um, and Marple and, and Poirot, I don't think ever meet either. And it's fun for us to imagine what that might've been like. <laughs> yeah. I always enjoy that. Like when a television show, two television shows have uh, characters appear on one another because it just, it makes the whole thing seem real. Like you said, like this universe that exists. And I think that it's common that we think that this is something that someone came up with in contemporary times, but no, this has been happening for, for a long time and, and something that the queen of crime did herself. So I just, I really like that. And to, um, because these are short stories, I imagine that they were, um, kind of, I could be wrong, but side projects maybe for Agatha Christie as she's working on something else. And so just the fun that she's having in them to like, well, I'm going to drop this character in this story that's also appeared over here. I mean, I think that that's, um, this just shows that she's having a lot of fun with her work. Mm-hmm. So there have only been two TV adaptations of Parker Pine stories, and those were both in the early 1980s as part of a series called the Agatha Christie Hour. Two episodes of that um, program featured Parker Pine. Uh, so I do think there's some opportunity for, you know, someone to adapt him for screen, although maybe because of the kind of shift in terms of the focus of his work that might make it a bit more challenging to um to adapt because it really I think the um sense you have of Parker Pine really depends on which stories of his you've read Mm -hmm. true as you mentioned in the introduction some of the means that he uses um would seem maybe distasteful in this day and age do you think, Sarah, that he is an anti-hero? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think he genuinely does want to help his clients, but he, you know, makes them happy, often at the expense of someone else maybe becoming unhappy. Um, and I think, I hope I'm not making this up, but I think in one story he says, because uh, when he's kind of challenged on that, he's like, well, you're my client and I'm making you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I've made that up, Brooke. Well, I do know in the in the story that I read that, like you said, he often hires someone to kind of do the legwork for him. And the gentleman that he hires to be um, a big player in the ruse that gets this man and woman back together Um he's terribly unhappy. He doesn't like what he's doing because he's playing with this woman's emotions. And he says that to Parker Pine. He, he doesn't really know if he wants to continue to do these kind of things. And, and, you know, Pine just kind of tells him to buck up. That's what they're doing. They're making their client happy and that's what it takes. So, um, I think that you're if it didn't happen, specifically like that, that's definitely the feel you get. And that's what made me think, you know, he's kind of an anti-hero. His heart is in the right place. He's doing what he's doing for the greater good, you could say, but he does utilize some um, maybe unscrupulous means sometimes. Absolutely. There's one story where he drugs his client Uh, has her put into an institution and essentially she's gaslit into thinking that she is a a poor farm wife. Oh my goodness. 
And it's for your own good. Exactly. Exactly. This is how she finds happiness. Um, and so, like, I don't know, that's a bit problematic. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Right. I don't think that would fly today. But um, overall, I, I enjoyed the stories. Cool. Well, Brooke, this was so much fun to talk about Parker Pine. And um, I really enjoyed uh, learning about him this week. Yes. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for all your great research. And thank you for joining us today on Clued in Mystery. I'm Brooke. And I'm Sarah. And we both love mystery. Clued in Mystery is produced by Brooke Peterson and Sarah M. Stephen. Music is by Shane Ivers at silvermansound.com. Visit us online at cluedinmystery.com or social media at cluedinmystery. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, or telling your friends.